We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Okay, ready? what you know and it's about a time when you get yourself in we I want to the Toreshio. Okay, though. The Toreshio. Okay, though. That might be the best question I've ever been asked. <laughs> Did you date Michael Jackson? Yes. I was 18, 19. He was 17. What was that like? I stayed with him when he was doing the Wiz movie. He had an apartment on Sutton Avenue. And I got a chance to stay with him and experience. I went to the Wiz film when they were rehearsing in New York. He took me one day with him. But we had a wonderful, wonderful friendship. How long did that last? Maybe about a year, a year and a half. I, I mean, you know, we, we really had no sense of who he was away from the stage. Like, what was he like? He loved to laugh. He was a prankster. He loved chocolate chip cookies. He loved for me to braid his hair. He was scary, kind of. Like, when I would go and wash clothes, he would come downstairs in the basement with me. But he was scary. He, you know, I was like, Michael, don't be scared. You know, he was like... What's going on there? And he was nosy. Michael was nosy. He loved to look in drawers and see what people had. And he was nosy. Yeah. (laughs) Stephanie Mills is one of the great singers of the 70s and 80s. Unforgettable records like Never Knew Love Like This Before, What's She Gonna Do With My Lovin', and so many more that are timeless records she starred in the original as dorothy us the and the whiz in the original broadway production of the whiz that launched her solo career she dated michael jackson when they were both teenagers she's had an extraordinary life lots of hit records lots of amazing singing accomplishments grammy american music award all that stuff and now she's living in north carolina Her son has Down syndrome. She loves him. She's had an amazing relationship with him. I had an awesome time talking music and parenting and Brooklyn, because that's where she's from, with Stephanie Mills, the legend. So let's get into it. You'll get half of this for free for the whole amazing conversation. Go to patreon.com 
slash Torre show for $5 a month. You get four Friday Patreon exclusives and the full 60 minute versions of our Wednesday shows like this. And you'll support our team. Let's go. It's the amazing legend, Stephanie Mills on Torre show. I've been listening to a lot of your music again to prepare for this interview. And one of the things that really jumps out at me, it sounds like you are smiling when you are singing. Like there's, there's something in the tone, especially the really upbeat songs that is really joyful. Like are you, and I know when we do voiceovers, they like, if you want that, joyful sound. they tell you like smile while you're talking so are you smiling while you're talking or you have to make the ugly face to get it out right no i'm not smiling but my singing gives me joy but mm. so you're hearing the joy that i have with singing so I, and sometimes i'm smiling it just depends on what the song is and what i'm singing because i really feel things i'm very sensitive so i really feel things through with my heart so but i love Singing, I love performing live. I love everything about that. So you really felt the song. It's not just words and trying to get the right tones. And it's like, I really feel these words like an actor. Yes. Oh, yeah. I feel them. And songs that I didn't like want to sing, or maybe I would find something in it that I could believe. Because if I don't believe the song, you're not going to believe it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I And I was always told that. And... So I always wanted to tell a story with my, with my singing. And so, with my- so with that mindset, did you tend, like when you were recording, did you tend to like sing the song straight through or at least sing the whole verse straight through? Or are you more like punching to get the, the, the moments right? No, I like performance. I like to sing it straight through. And then if we need to punch something in or whatever, like I'll sing a song down three times. That's it. Because mm. I feel like, if you keep singing it and singing it, you sing the life out of it. So I'll do it three times. And within those three tracks, they better get what they need. <laughs> they better get what they need because I'm finished. Well, wait, I want to hear you talk about making my two favorites of your catalog. Okay. What you're going to do with my loving, which is so powerful. And like, tell me about making that song. Well, that song was written by James and Tume and Reggie Lucas. And I was still doing The Wiz and I would be recording at night or in the daytime. I didn't want to sing that song because I was like 18, 19 years old. And I was like, well, what do, what do you mean love? What you going to do? I was, I was very sheltered, you know, with growing up. My, my mother was sat backstage during The Wiz. And so I was very sheltered. So I didn't, I didn't really know what love was, you know, from a, from, with a male so I was like, oh, I can't sing this song. But it was then Tawatha, Tawatha A.G., who's a wonderful, wonderful singer and songwriter, would sing all my uh, my uh, demos and for me to learn the songs. And then I liked the songs, and they changed a couple of words. And then I really, really liked the song. And then I just blossomed into I wasn't afraid to sing love songs. Mm. So that's you just you sang it three times, and that's it? That's it. And that was, and that, but if you're doing the whiz, 
was that during the day that you were singing that? Like sometimes at night, because the studio was right down the street, Sigma Sound. And sometimes at night after the show, I'd go in and record maybe one or two songs. And then during the day, when I didn't have a matinee, I was in the studio recording the first album. Now, I want to get to my other favorite song of yours. But first, you're in the original Broadway production of The Wiz. And I know when your solo career started to really take off, my mother was like, yeah. And it was like, we've known her for a long time. And I'm, I'm young, but I'm thinking, she's a new artist. How can you feel like you've known her for a long time? And I think... Just even if you didn't even get to Broadway, being in The Wiz gave you this almost household name status among black people. Oh, yes. And I love it. I love it till this day, you know, because our industry is so segregated. People don't really realize how segregated our industry is. But I love being uh, my people loving me all these years and 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 coming to my shows and. You know, I, I, I'm happy. I never wanted to go that other route. No, you are definitely one of those people who is like black famous, like everybody black knows (laughs) Stephanie Mills and loves Stephanie Mills. Maybe the white folks know, you know, but maybe they don't, but like Stephanie Mills, like, of course. Yes. And I'm so proud of that. I'm so happy with that. And Mm. a lot of entertainers are not happy with that. They want they would rather be famous on the other side, not me. It's interesting with, because I was listening really closely, with what you're going to do with My Lovin', you're a little bit lower than in a lot of the other songs. There's a growl yes. that you keep kind of coming back to. So it's much more of an attack, right? <laughs> other times you're more gliding through the song, but that one's, it's a little, it's more soul, right? You're very disco, but that one's a little more soulful, right? Yes, yes, yes. But that's how they produced it. That's how Intume produced it. And I was like a sponge. I still am. I was like a sponge with people that I respect and I know that are directing me in the right way. I'm just all ears. So he's leading you to that performance. Yes. He and Reggie. Yes. Was it hard to get that growl right? Because men do a lot of growl. Men singers do a lot. A lot of women singers don't give you that growl like you did on that song. (laughs) But it's so easy to do. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to do. My other favorite of yours, um, Never Knew Love Like This Before. Oh, it just, yes. Everybody loves Never Knew Love. I mean, right? It just goes down. So, Because the that other one, like I said, has the growl and it's soulful. This is so disco and light and airy and it carries you on this sort of journey of like first time love and it hits you really like in your heart. And I mean, when you talk about acting, like feeling the words and really telling a story, like I fully believe she is enthralled in the grip of like, like I've never felt love like this. I've never felt love. Yeah. And, and, and recording it was easy. I mean, I loved, being in the studio with them, but I'm not, I'm not the kind of artist that wants to be in the studio all day and all night. I like to go in, I do my homework. I learn my song. I want to hit it and get it and, and let's move on. So you get to the studio, you've already been rehearsing the song. You've already yes. been practicing the song. Yes. So you're ready to go. I'm ready to go. 
Because there's lots of choices in terms of arranging that someone like you has to do. How do I sing these lines? How do I approach them, right? Is the in the what tone am I singing it in, right? Like lots oh, of choices. You have to, that's too much thinking. I just mm. do it. You know mm. what I'm saying? I don't think about, oh, well, what tone? I just, I feel the song. I feel the lyrics and I just do it. There's I don't, some... I don't, I don't um, uh, think about it that hard. I just, I listen to the song. I get it in me. I get it in my body. And then I just sing it. And wherever I go with it, that's where we go. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door. Thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. Hey, peeps. It's your girl, Danielle Moody, host of Woke AF Daily. 
Every weekday, I'm sounding the alarm and keeping you woke to all the pure evil that is going on in our country. Check me out now at patreon.com slash woke AF. Get five new shows every week for just $5 a month. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. There's something in your voice, and especially in, in Never Knew Love Like This, there's something in your voice that like just leaps off the record. Like it really like grabs you, like like the tone, just really just like propel. You know, like some people like leap out of the photograph and they're so beautiful, and or maybe they're not like super beautiful, but they leap out of the photograph and you're like, God, I can't, I can't forget that song. And like you 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 make it really unforgettable because you just sort of leap off the vinyl or whatever, like in this really unique way. I um. I just enjoy it. I, this is all I've ever done. But you would be surprised how many times I was told I was I couldn't sing in the industry or that I I you know I wasn't good enough. You know, it's amazing that you would say all the things that you're saying, but I was told a lot of times that I I couldn't sing or or you know, I wasn't a recording artist or yeah. What was the critique that folks were leveling at you? Most of the time they were that I wasn't pretty enough. Um, I couldn't sing and I was short. <laughs> well, and they That's say what they, they always used to say to me, it's like, well, you're short and you're dark, you know, and I was told that all the time, but I had a very strong mother that uh, loved me. And she told me I was perfect. just the way I was. God made me perfect just the way I was. And I have the kind of attitude like, I'm like, I don't care what you say. I'm going to do what I know God put me here to do. So I never let it, 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 in the beginning, it hurt my feelings. I remember I was in tears one day. We were at rehearsal at the Wiz and Jeffrey Holder, who was the director at the Wiz, he, I, I was crying and he was like, why are you crying? I was like, this is when the reviews came out. And he was, I said, they said I was ugly and I was too short. And they said, well, darling, darling. If you had been tall, you wouldn't have been Dorothy. So don't pay attention to what they say. And I never forgot that. I never, never forgot that. See, like there's some people who are extraordinary technical singers, but it's hard for them to make a record that is unforgettable. And that's what you got to do. You got to make me want to hear that record a hundred times, a thousand times, 10,000. And like these records and some of your other records, I have heard them 10,000 times over the last, what, 30, 40 years, and I could listen to them again and be super happy, and you know how to make a song that I want to hear again and again. Oh. And that's the game. Oh, that's wonderful. I mean, you know, when you're singing, I mean, you're on Broadway at nine. (laughs) Were you doing six shows a week at nine? I was eight. doing eight shows a week. I was 11, not nine. They tried to, because even in the Wiz, they said I was 15 when I was really 17. But okay. I was 11 doing Maggie Flynn. And I was at the Apollo at nine, at 10, singing at the amateur hour. And then I won six weeks in a row. At 10? Yes. Wait a minute. Who taught you or did you just know what to do? I knew, I just knew what to do. I just, I would just sing. Because when I was little, my sisters would put me up and 
put me on like on a little box and tell me to sing and I would sing and I just I just knew what to do. I even with the whiz, I never took uh acting, I never took dancing. I would just practice. I would just practice, practice, practice until I got it. Were there other people in your family who could sing? My mother, my father used to sing in quartet in the South and my mother uh, played an instrument. She played the flute, but nobody else really. My brother sang a little bit, but when, when he went into the service, but nobody really, no. Did you go to church? I went to church. I was baptized at seven years old at Cornerstone Baptist Church in Brooklyn. I'm in Brooklyn right now. Uh, yes, I lived in Brooklyn. I'm from Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. Bread's die, right? Bread's die. Yes, my mother and my brother had a, a hair salon on Utica Avenue. And when uh-huh. he went to the service, my mother took over the business. Uh-huh. My um, <clears throat> my father was running around here about that same time, so you guys probably <laughs> were in the same <laughs> space at the same time when you were little. But so church is a place that a lot of people learn to sing or at least got um, an example of what great singing is. Did that part of what happened for you? I loved Diana Ross. I mean, I wanted to be mm-hmm. Diana Ross. I loved the whole Motown uh, family, the Jackson Five and Stevie Wonder and Marvin Gaye, Gladys Knight. I just loved all that music and that's what I listened to. And uh, I used to listen to Sam Cooke, Aretha mm-hmm. Franklin, you know, all the great, great, great uh, artists of that time. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's the, the Mount Rushmore of that time of like oh, Diana yes. Ross, Sam yes. Cooke, you know, young Michael Jackson, that voice yes. was incredible. Yes. Um, you know, Marvin Gaye. I mean, like, you know, you couldn't have a better school than those guys. Yes. And then I happened to sign with uh, Motown when I was very young. So I got a chance to meet Mr. Gordy and Suzanne DePaz, and I got a chance to become friends with the Jacksons and Hazel. So I was just delighted. I was in heaven because they would so, come to the Wiz all the time. So did Barry Gordy give you any musical advice that clung, that stuck to you? Not really. I, um, he enjoyed my performance in the Wiz and he loved my voice. I had lunch with him, but we really didn't talk about you know, the music, he talked about what they wanted to do with me. And the album that they did with me, I think, was ahead of its time because they put me together with Burt Bacharach and Hal David. And um, I just think it was ahead of its time. I didn't stay at Motown a long time. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Jackson 5. And did you date Michael Jackson? Yes. Yes. You did? How old were you guys? I was, we were, I was 18, 19. And how old was he? He was 17. What was that like? How He's long did it last? I, I, I stayed with him when he was doing the Wiz movie. When they, he had an apartment on Sutton Avenue. And I got a chance to stay with him and experience. I went to the, to the Wiz film when they were rehearsing in New York. He took me one day with him. But we had a wonderful, wonderful friendship. How long did that last? Maybe about a year, year and a half. Okay, okay. I, I mean, you know, we we really had no sense of who he was away from the stage. Like, what was he like? As like, you know, when you're, he loved to laugh. He was a prankster. He loved chocolate chip cookies. Uh, mm-hmm. He loved for me to braid his hair. Uh, 
he was scary kind of like when I would go and wash clothes, he would come downstairs in the basement with me, but he was scary. He, you know, I was like, Michael, don't be scared. You know, he was like, what's going on there? And he was nosy. Michael was nosy. He loved to look in drawers and, and, and see what people had. And he was nosy. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, you went to Juilliard? No, I went to Lincoln Square Academy, which okay. was across the street from Juilliard. Okay. Yeah. So what what did you learn? I mean, did you learn anything about singing there? Or are you just like, I just always knew what to do? For some reason, I always knew what to do. I've never taken a singing lesson or or anything. One time I went to see if I was breathing right. And he said I was breathing right. And, and I didn't go back. Um, but I've never had a formal training in singing or anything. Wow. wow. Your style was perfect for disco because it was about liberation. It was about enjoying yourself. It was about forgetting what's go forget what's going on outside. We're here in this club. We're searching for love and we're just dancing our heart out. And you, I mean, it was like a perfect marriage of like you and your talent and your tone and your style with the movement. Right. Right. And I got to hang out with Grace Jones and, you know, that Studio 54 era, you know, it was, Michael and I would go and go up in the booth and watch people dance and, you know, Diane von Furstenberg and Mick Jagg and all these people we got a chance to see and meet and Liza Minnelli and all those people. I mean, it's gotten a bad rap among some people, even though I don't think when people look down on the word disco, they don't really understand that this is music that if they were, that they, that has continued on the sound of disco and the tropes of disco has never actually gone away. A lot of your favorite artists have made disco songs. You just didn't realize it because they didn't name it disco. Right. And it was, it was in that seventies, in that late seventies period, it was so important for black people and gay people to have this escape in this culture. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I have a huge uh, gay following, always, always have. And they love my music. They love, they're so loyal. They come to my shows. And now th- w- they they switch from calling it disco to dance music. Mm-hmm. And people are still making uh, dance music and club music. Yeah. And it's less um, controversial as dance music. I mean, when when the attack on disco started and it's really overt, um, what did you how did how did you feel? How did you respond? Like, what were you thinking about when they're burning disco records in Comiskey Park in Chicago and radio stations? Like, we're not going to play this music anymore. Like, what? how does that make you feel? I, you know, I didn't take it personally. I, okay. you know, you just, you just change with it. You know, I mean, music is music. I, you know, I don't like that they put labels on music because now, you know, like rap has become R&B and rap is not R&B, rap, right. hip hop. But right. because, you know, our radio stations are owned by predominantly white corporations now and programmed by white uh, programmers. They don't like R&B. They like the rap because it facil- facilitates 
the the, the uh, prisons. <laughs> you know, when they listen to the, the all that hardcore rap music, it it makes somebody want to go out there and shoot. Love love music makes you want to love and 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 be loved. So rap music really helped their pockets. Yeah, no, the music you made was absolutely helping people come together to dance, yeah. yes. to find love, to find you. You put people in the mood for wanting to, I mean, how could you listen to a record like Never Knew Love Like This and not want to take a chance on love? On love. Or what you're going to do with my loving or feel the fire or power of love, you know? And and then the duets that I did with Teddy Pendergrass was, was, was just amazing. I missed him so much. And when I get ready to do a show, I sing to my songs so that I can sound somewhat like I sounded back in the day. And I was listening to Teddy today and it, it made me kind of sad because I miss him so much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, you're talking about all the people who my mom loved and taught me to love. Teddy was Everything. such a, such a huge, huge, she was such a huge fan of oh, Teddy Pendergrass. Wow. And he was and, such a nice, nice man. I mean, we all have our, our demons, but Teddy was really a loving, he was so loving and kind to me. Yeah. And there was the um the car accident, right? That changed yeah. his life. It changed everything. And we were getting ready to do an HBO special at that time. But oh, wow. Teddy Teddy was reckless. He, his life was reckless and he had had three accidents prior to that. Oh. So God was really trying to warn him like slow your roll and he just didn't listen. Well, when you, f- I feel like I remember being in my mother's car and the news coming on the radio and her going like, whoa, this is a lot. To-. Like when, when you, when you heard that your friend had been hurt really badly and he was paralyzed um, after that last accident, what, what was your reaction? I just broke down in tears and I went to Philadelphia to see him. And it's so funny because Teddy had a ton of people around him when he was that. But when he had the accident, all those friends kind of just withered away. They left him. Mm, and his true friends stayed. Yeah. When when bad things happen, you find out who your real friends are. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Torrey thrive market dot com slash Torrey on March 16th 2000 two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta Jamil Alamin a Muslim leader and former black power activist was convicted but the evidence was shaky and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial 
My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. Who really care about you versus who liked you for the fame. Right. Mm. Right. Um, but he was, um, for my mom, he was very much the epitome of a, ma- of a man. Oh, <laughs> yes. Tall, dark, and handsome. <laughs> I don't want to go. women love Teddy. Oh, my God. The, the backstage would just be filled with women. His dressing room would just be full of women. It was crazy. So take me to this because y- you didn't get any singing lessons. But you are a master singer, no matter what some A&R told you. You know, you knew how to make hits. So if you were teaching uh, younger singers, what sort of things would you teach them if, you know, if, if people came to you and said, like, you know, I, I want a career like yours. I want to you know, be successful. I want to make hit records. Like, what, what would you tell them to do? Surround themselves with uh, producers that produce real music. Sing from their diaphragm. And really stay true to who you are. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't, don't believe, you know, all the things that they'll tell you. Because if you do, you won't go anywhere. Because there's so many people that tell you, oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't. There's so much of that that you really have to have a, a, an, an idea, a strong idea of who you are and where you want to go. When you say sing from the diaphragm, tell me what you mean. Sing from your stomach. Sing from your your stomach, not on your throat. A lot of people sing on their throat and that's why it doesn't last. When you're singing and you're taking your breaths from your stomach, that's giving you support. And then as a singer, you must, you must do cardio in order to breathe right and to be on stage. There's no way a singer could be on stage and not do cardio. So it gives you a stronger sound if you're singing from lower? Yes, from your diaphragm. Yes. And you have the support to sustain the note. As we started to touch on before, there are people who have talent and then there are people who make unforgettable records. And what is the difference? There are some people who could sing circles around you, but do not have the hits that you'd have, do not have the unforgettable voice and tone that you have. What is the key to having that? Oh, God, I don't know. Because I, I think that sometimes I'm like, wow, she's such a great singer or he's such a great singer. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just think it's timing, I guess, or who produced me or I, I can't answer that. I just don't know. Because there are some great singers that can outsing me by a mile, you know, so I, I just don't know. It's getting the right song and, and getting with the right producer. I will say that. Yeah. I, you know, I, I look, one career I look a lot. I look at a lot to try to understand how I feel is Mariah Carey, mm-hmm. who is an extraordinarily talented singer. And the early years, and maybe first decade of her career, she had many, many gigantic hits. But she would do all these runs and all this gymnastic stuff and all this vocal stuff, and I was just not interested. 
And then she got with Jermaine Dupree, right? Yeah. The emancipation of Mimi. She calmed down the gymnastics. She calmed down the tone. It was much more sort of leavened. And I was like, this Mariah, I love. I could listen to these records all day long. Right. And there were many big hits for me that I could listen to over and over and over. Um, and I started to see like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want the gymnastics, right? right. Like, but want, a lot of people think they're getting the house. That's what you want to hear, all those runs and stuff. And see, I, I don't do runs just to do them. I do them from a feeling. You know, if I do something a little extra, it's really from a feeling and not because I'm trying to show you I could do that. So you just, it, it, is it like church, like you have a feeling in that moment and you do a run? Yeah, the spirit. But sometimes I can be on stage and I'll just be, it's like an out-of-body experience that something else just takes over. And and by the end of the show, I'm like, wow, you know, that was an experience. Yeah. So when you talk about going through a song three times, is it that you're going to do it the same way every time? Or like, well, this second time I felt it to do a run here, you know, after the second verse and I just did it or after at the end of the second chorus. So I just did it. But then the third time I did it, I didn't do it because I didn't feel like, so are each one, each time you go through a little different? I, I'll do each one different so that if they want to compile it together, they have different things. And because you have a different experience each time you go through it? I have I have a different feeling about it. And I want and I may want to and I and I listen back to it and I'll and I'll go, oh, I want to do that there, or I want to do that there, or I can hold that note a little longer, whatever. And then I'll do it a second time. Tell me who you name the Motown folks who are geniuses, but I'm curious in your book, you know, who are your four or five favorite greatest singers of all time? Oh my God. <laughs> Woo. Mahalia Jackson. Yes. Ella Fitzgerald. Oh, wow. Gladys Knight. Mm. And Aretha Franklin. Oh, yeah. Aretha's so special. Oh, man. And I got did. a chance to, I lived in Detroit for a while, so I got a chance to be around her and I got a chance to talk to her like three months before she passed away. And she was just awesome. I mean, she, she was just awesome. And, you know, singers, when they talk, sometimes they, like, if you talk to Anita, she's, she talks exactly like she sings. So when I when we go out together, I'm like, don't talk, don't say nothing, don't say, don't say nothing, because you sound exactly like you're on the radio. It's so funny. So, but she sounds exactly like she sings. Anita Baker is interesting because um, her arranging or her phrasing is really unique, right? It's unique, and unique, she- and you know, it comes from an old soul, like an old. It's like. I always, I, it's like, it's like so old and just deep down. I always tell her that just, oh, it's just, it's amazing. I, when I go to her shows and I watch her, I'm like amazed that that's coming out of her. Because it's like old, just like a, I don't know how to explain it. Just like a, like you out in the field and you're just singing from your gut, you know? 
Yes, a hundred percent. And she could get really deep. Yes. Like so it hits some really deep notes, and it's really sort of like powerful. Like you feel it in your ribs. Oh yes, and 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 it's clear. Her voice is clear. She hasn't lost a step when she was out this last time I went to hang out with her, and she hasn't. Her voice was just as pure and clear as it was. And the her hum, mm. just when she's working her way into the song, is mm-hmm. is captivating. Yes, yes, yes. And they don't record songs like that. Songs that we made back in the day, they don't they don't do it anymore. They don't record songs like that. Michael, um, as a singer, was great at the nonverbal stuff, right? Like adding in the ahs and the ums and the scream and the those sort of you talk about like old timey stuff, like that oh, really yes. deep black stuff, like that was a full part of his whole repertoire. Yeah, and but he studied that. He loved James Brown. He loved yeah. all of that. Prince, you know, Little Richard. To me, Prince and 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 Michael were a mixture of Prince, of a of a Little Richard and James Brown. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, Little Richard doesn't get enough credit oh. as a father of Prince and everybody else. Yes, um, I mean he had Mick Jagger and them. Uh, watching him, he had uh, Jimi Hendrix as his as his guitar player. Uh, all of them came out of his camp, and he didn't he didn't get the credit. But we never really get get the credit, you know. But, we never really because we're the originators of everything. I mean, so we're talking about the originators of everything. Um, James Brown is such a critical father of everything that came uh-huh. after him. Yes, yes, and I remember being at the Apollo and, and winning the amateur hour and he was standing backstage watching me. And then I got a week there with him. And then I got a week there with Roberta Flack. And then I got a week there with uh, the Isley brothers. And I was just like, wow, you know, to have met these people and, and had a chance to work with them was just amazing. But we are the originators of everything. They steal everything we have. They do. They do. Well, I mean, like culture is our oil. Right. Yes. Like the thing yes. that we have that we can mine and put out and hopefully bring some money into the community. Right. 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 Hopefully. Yes. But there's so many people who lost a lot of money in their career. They generated a lot of money, but they did not get to keep a lot of it because the industry really screws you guys over. Oh, man. And if you're not careful, you wind up broke. You wind up destitute, you wind up with nothing, with nothing. So you really have to like pay attention and you have to be about your business and you can't always be so nice. You know, the thing about it is they always tell you, oh, well, you have to go to this party. You have to be nice. You have to, you'll get this part. You get, that's bullshit. I mean, it's like, all you should do is be professional, do your job, show up when you're supposed to show up, be on time and do it. But all that other stuff is not, they, they really, really rape the artists. And they're raping them more now today. For more from me and Stephanie Mills, join us over at patreon.com slash Torre show. Thank you so much to Stephanie Mills for a great interview. And thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers, 
Britt, Marcus Harkis, Noel, Sam Montes, Jason Reynolds, Gerville Calais, Michelle Brenda Cox, Kathy F., Dr. Keena Murphy, Earl Dorsey, Theotokis, and Noma. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality. Maybe this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show and on Patreon at patreon.com slash Torre Show. And check out my newsletter, Black Minds Matter. Go to blackmindsmatter.substack.com. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington. Our booker is Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Friday and on Wednesday with more amazing guests. Why? Because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.